It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for listening. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to the team I work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday to you, producer Steve. Uh, not just any Friday, but fantastic Finally, fantastic Friday. Uh, fantastic, fabulous, finally Friday. How's that? Okay. Well, I'll raise you or I'll call you and raise you, and I don't have anything else. <laughs> but you will. You will. Check out our website. That is uh, Kim Munson, M O N S O N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. We uh, typically only send one email a week, uh, and very seldom have we ever sent more than one. So we will not. Uh, just totally uh, overload your inbox. And we send that out on Sundays, and it will have the upcoming guest as well as our most recent essays and podcasts. And so sign up for that. Uh, we will be rolling out our voter's guide a week from Sunday. And this, uh, we will do an analysis of each of the 11 questions on the state ballot, as well as some of the local issues as well. And uh, we will give you the ballot question. And then many times, it's not just that ballot question. There may be 10, 11, 12 pages plus to that question, which that's really, you, you have to ask, how, how can you have, uh, you're passing something that typically will take more and more of our freedoms or more and more of our money. And uh, there will be all of this information that's backing that up. And so we'll give you the link to that so that you can read that and then give um, my recommendation on what to do with that. And and you may agree or disagree, but it, it will be real information. It's not going to be all the, the political jargon, and it will cut to the chase on that. So we'll roll that out a week from Sunday. So be sure and sign up for our newsletter on that as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, check out America's Veterans Stories this Sunday, 3 to 4 p.m., a great interview with uh, Colonel John Winkler. He is retired United States Air Force Vietnam veteran, five combat missions, so you will not want to miss that either. And um, so lots going on. Before we get totally into this, I uh, wanted to mention Hooters restaurants. They have all kinds of uh, lunch specials uh, Monday through Friday, as well as happy hour specials, and then also specials when um, the NFL is playing as well. And Steve, I'm hearing that people are starting to watch the NFL again since uh, the, uh, it looks like the the uh, taking a knee during the national anthem is um, is on the is is people are, are are not doing that so much anymore. I haven't paid attention. Have you looked at that, or do you know? Well, uh, actually, I, I can't really <laughs> drive help you drive this particular story because I was so turned off over the last two or three years of antics that I haven't returned to it yet. So I really don't know. 
Yeah, and I think that still is the case with a lot of people. However, uh, I think that there is um, at least respect shown for the national anthem. And so there are people that love football. And I think some of those folks are coming back. Some of them they won't ever get get again uh, because of that. And... um, yeah. So, but if you if you like to watch football, there's certainly uh, specials that um, when the when the game is on, Steve. So that's at uh, Hooters restaurants, and of course, let's see. I think the World Cup is coming up in November, and I'm sure with all the TVs they have there, the, those will be on as well. So, uh, how Hooters became a sponsor of the show? It's a really interesting story about freedom, free markets, capitalism. You can find that at my website. That's kimmunson.com. And uh, let's see, let's go to, well, oh, I want to mention this. Next Thursday, uh, John Caldera and the Independence Institute is hosted, they're having an event. It's uh, called a Libertarian Block Party honoring Governor Jared Polis. As many of you know, Polis is trying to make himself look like he's a libertarian. But you need to go back down memory lane and see what his minions and all of his bureaucrats uh, have done, did to us during the COVID lockdowns. And... And, and I'll just, we've, we've actually got a list. So let me just mention a few of those things quickly. Um, and that is, remember, he ordered Colorado statewide uh, without any thought of rural versus urban to stay at home. Remember all the highway signs? Remember the dad that was in his park with his family and was arrested? He did an executive order that mandated all businesses reduce the in-person workforce by 50%. Landlords had limited ability to evict a tenant. Many people were paid to stay at home and not work. Elective surgeries were canceled. Uh, just the oh, contact tracing. Do you remember that? There's nothing libertarian about any of the things that I just mentioned. But since it's election time, he's trying to make himself look like a libertarian and play really, I think, to that unaffiliated, unaffiliated voter. And uh, so what Caldera's doing is the tickets for this event next Thursday are 10 cents. But when you add in all of the fees, the polis fees, the tickets are actually 35 bucks. And so we'd love to have you join us there. It was going to be a lot of fun. So that you can get more information by going to I, the letter I, the number 2i.org, i2i.org. And uh, that should be a lot of fun next Thursday evening. Kind of poking the eye of uh, Jared Polis, Steve. When you said you had a list, I wanted to ask you how many pages long was was the list. <laughs> this is a concise list. It could be very, very long. Quite frankly, that's an excellent point. So be sure and check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. He, uh, Caldera does have a really funny sense of humor, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, my friends, we look at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. And it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, their freedom, their livelihood, uh, or their opportunity or lives. And force can be a weapon. But now we're seeing here in America policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation. They've used fear, coercion, which all the, and, and this is government induced inflation. Biden this is Biden's inflation and uh, the World Economic Forum, Davos Globalist Elite's agenda. And then the fact that they've hired, if in fact uh, the Republicans can stop the funding, if we take back the House um, and uh, and in there, you have to even ask, though, 87,000 IRS uh, agents, new agents. I mean, really? I mean, really? 
Uh, and so you can see that there is actually an, a, a war on the American people by the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party and that are now, um, you know, in the Bi- Biden administration. I mean, there is a war against everyday Americans. And I think people are starting to realize it, but it's hard for people to believe that. It's taken a long time for me to connect that dot, Steve. Well, I, we I, quickly, we, we ran so, so, through so many things in the pre-call. And one of those things was, you know, I asked you, did you see what happened? I guess Rashida Tlaib is on some committee and she's got these bank presidents sitting there. And I guess w- what they're looking for is for the banking industry to stop funding uh, fossil fuels development and you know the loans and stuff that they would process. And, and every one of those bank presidents, as far as I could tell, was really pushing back on her. Well, it's about time because this has been occurring uh, already. And <clears throat> that's one of the things in this whole ESG agenda, that's environment, um, social and governance. Uh, and, and it's a um, it's a basically a report card that they're using for corporations. And if you have a higher ESG um, score, then you would have more access to capital. If it's lower, which would be our uh, hydrocarbons um, industry, then it would be more difficult to get capital. So it's another way they're trying to turn off the, the spigot of capital to oil and gas. Now, connect the dot is... Um, Electricity, ultimately, wind and solar is not reliable. It only works if it's subsidized. At some point in time, maybe it will be economically viable, but it's not now. And so it requires a lot of subsidizing for that. And again, billionaires uh, have a lot of these wind farms. Uh, Phil Anschutz has uh, wind farms up in Wyoming. And so they're, they're kind of playing it both ways. But ultimately, it's unreliable. It is... Um, it's expensive and it's not abundant and so they're trying to turn off the spigot of reliable efficient affordable and abundant energy and 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 have nothing and this you always ask this question Steve what are they going to replace it with they don't have anything to replace it with and uh, nuclear certainly would be an option but the enviros don't want that because then they would lose their control this is about control this is not about the environment this is about control and to that point you go ahead i I want here we go i found the article it was in fox business and it says um representative to lead clash with top bankers after they rejected her demand to cut off financing to fossil fuels projects immediately jp morgan ceo jamie uh, diamond told her that that would be the road to hell for america and leaders in the banking industry clashed with uh, Tlaib. She's a Democrat from Michigan. And she demanded they commit immediately to do this. And he <clears throat> said, um, he said that uh, Diamond told the far-left representative during a House Financial Services Committee hearing that her request would lead to despair and ruin. And that, And we have people in elected office here in America, that that is their goal. How the heck did how the heck did they ever get elected? But I bet it wasn't that she was out there stumping that she wanted to take America and move it, move it to despair and ruin. I bet that's not what she said when she was winning when she was running for election. Although she's running for election now, uh, I and I would, I mean, it would be crazy, but people may reelect her. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> her and, and the other squad members as well, but you'd like to see all of them get you know pushed aside. It's like, okay, you had your chance. We're done. 
But, uh, you know, how did she get elected? Well, no, she sang the other song. She sang the Green Energy song, and it was good for buying votes. But, you know, I would just love to see wise governance at either federal or state level it's, uh, with this whole topic. It's saying a megawatt for a megawatt. Do you want to shut down a 300-megawatt generating station, you know, that's uh, fossil fueled now? Then I want to make sure that you've got 300 megawatts to replace it with. Stop putting us in the hole this way. Okay, and then the next question is, is what does that uh, that replacement megawatt cost? Yes. You need to also know that. That mm-hmm. would be very good. So, One more thought <clears throat> on the ESG thing. So right now, it's, the emphasis is basically on, on business. But come the day, it's going to also be applied to the individual. So Absolutely. if you don't know what ESG is, you better find out. And you better fight it. And that is, uh, I, I connect this dot, and th- there is a, f- a firm that runs... Uh, in fact, it's running two for sure of the top Republican candidacies here in Colorado right now. I think they may, I got, got to do some research. I, I won't say the next thing yet until I do the research on that regarding one of the issues, which I think is one of the really bad issues that will be on the ballot. But in the past, they have actually run the campaigns for things that take away freedom and make government bigger. And also has a uh, um, canvassing firm, which, uh, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you sign a petition, also has a very um, lucrative business in that particular arena. And so big Republican operatives here in Colorado. And they have, instead of fighting ESG, they have created an ESG division to, quote unquote, help corporations with their ESG ratings. We need to have people. We need to have Republican operatives. We need to have Republicans, conservatives, unaffiliated, centrist Democrats stand up and say, we're not we're not going to be part of this nonsense instead of because there is the other kind of green that's involved, which is money. That uh, instead of standing up, that that uh, they in, instead did, are focused on that other green because there currently is money in that particular ESG business. But we need to have people standing up saying, no, we're not taking part in that because, as you just said, this is a very dangerous road to go down. So let's go to break. We'll do our quote of the day when we come back uh, because and I chose John Paul Jones because in the second hour uh, – and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge does some amazing research uh, on all kinds of things. And today is the anniversary of a very famous naval battle, John Paul Jones. So he's our, our quote for today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. 
individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. It's Indeed, it is Friday, and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Our quote for today is from John Paul Jones. He was a Scottish-American naval captain who was the United States' first well-known naval commander in the American Revolutionary War. He made many friends among U.S. political elites as well as enemies, and his actions in British waters during the Revolution earned him an international reputation that persists to this day. He was born in 1747 in Scotland. He died in 1792. And this is one you have to put your thinking cap on. He said, if fear is cultivated... It will become stronger. If faith is cultivated, it will achieve mastery. And I was thinking about the COVID, the reaction to COVID-19, the fear that was drummed up on the American people, um, well, people across the world. And you can see if fear is cultivated, and just think about what the media did, what Polis did, what um, the CDC did. They were out there every day cultivating fear. And you could see that it could become stronger and stronger. But yet the faithful, as, as people continue to get into their faith, rely upon um, the divine provider to, to you know, really stand, take courage in that, you saw that um, it, was, it, was, it was difficult during that time. But I, I think people have been able to stand up against this. And as we look in the rearview mirror, Biden said that the pandemic is over. His puppeteers, they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. It's not because they don't want to give up the power that they've taken through the reaction to the COVID-19 Wuhan China virus. But the American people are pretty well over it. And so they're, they're kind of mastering the fear of that. This is a complicated one. And what do you think? How am I doing on this, Steve? <laughs> well, you're uh, on the, the particular topic you're on, the story you're on, you're, you're, you're dead on. And in, in terms of this quote too, I think, you know, faith and common sense quickly started to uh, cause people to, really stop and think and reason it through in this particular application of what they did with the uh, with in the pandemic i mean it became very clear right up front that there was a certain subset of the population that was vulnerable and yet everything they were doing was a clamp down on everybody everything and they're, they're you know they just kept pushing common sense aside yes and um, this is from uh, mises.org 
It says the pandemic is over, but the feds aren't giving up their emergency powers. And of course, 60 Minutes president declared the pandemic's over. But we still have, a, then he said, we still have a problem with COVID. And we're still doing a lot of work on it. And, um, and he said that his evidence that the pandemic is over is no one's wearing a mask. Everyone seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. But then further down, it said that according to the Centers for Disease Control Prevention, CDC's own statistics, more than 300 people have died of COVID per day in recent weeks. And a community transmission is still listed as high. And they're reporting daily cases. Just to, uh, remember, my friends, there's never been mass testing of any virus ever. If you chose a different virus and we tested everybody for it, we would probably have cases, but we wouldn't be sick from it. So you have to remember there's a difference between cases and people that are actually sick from it. And the other thing to we realize now is, and we've had Dr. James Lyons-Weiler on, that it's called... Um, Oh, gosh, what is it? Uh, Something enhancement, where if, in fact, you have gotten the vaccine, you now have a greater chance of getting COVID. So some of these cases that the CDC is using are probably people that have been double, uh, double vaxxed and boosted as well. And so that's why these shows that we're doing, um, getting off mainstream media, doing a lot of your own research is so important. Of course, listening to our show because we get these experts that uh, will, you know, just sift through all of the rhetoric and get to the facts on this. So, so uh, they still want to um, maintain the power that they've taken through COVID. And then we look over here at Talib, the power that they are taking regarding the green energy agenda. And ultimately, it lead, all this will lead to death, despair, destruction. And we don't want to be electing people that are looking for that. We like the other words, creativity, order, and life. And so that's where we want to go. So let's see. I wanted to talk about, okay, so we talked about COVID taking over power. We talked about the green energy agenda. So we've got to talk about the border. The fact that, that the Biden administration has spent billions of dollars, billions of dollars to Ukraine to quote-unquote, secure their border. But guess what? Down at our southern border, they're letting the bad guys in. You can believe it. This, again, this is from sarahcarter.com. And she said, 12 individuals on the FBI's terrorist watch list were intercepted in August alone. The number not only breaks a record for this fiscal year, but is three times the figure of the past five fiscal years combined. Says new data released by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection this week shows that the Border Patrol agents encountered these 12 individuals and their names were on the FBI's terrorist screening database. And it says the total encounters of these individuals on the terror watch list for this fiscal year have increased significantly. One of the things in the Constitution that the federal government is supposed to do is to make sure that um, America is, is secure from enemies. And the southern border is um, is not secure. And just think, how many was it? Was it 18 uh, terrorists on 9-11? It was like 18 or so terrorists. Look at the damage that they did. Just think over these, these years since the Biden administration, of course, the Obama administration, open border policy. There's a bunch of bad guys that have gotten into the country and... Um, you know, you shudder to think about what 
what they might have up their sleeve, Steve? Well, think of all the groups around the world that, uh, you know, it's their mission to cause harm and disruption to the United States way of life. Now, if you were heading up one of those groups and you're sitting there watching what's going on at our southern border, why wouldn't you, you know, dispatch some of your best in your group immediately and get them over to somewhere in Central America, Mexico, and, you know, tell them to head north right now? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you do that? <clears throat> well, they are doing that. And so let's see. Let's go to this next headline on Fox News. It says a Texas farmer who owns a 150-acre ranch along the U.S.-Mexico border recently shared footage of migrants running onto his property and barricading themselves inside the home where his grandparents live. The farmer, who wished to remain anonymous, told Fox News Digital his family has owned the property for upwards of 100 years. The video, he said, illustrated a daily occurrence for his family, but the problem has grown worse in recent years. He said, the video I posted was one video of hundreds that I have and that happened daily. And he told Fox News that for some unknown reason, his TikTok account was suspended over the weekend, but appeared to be reinstated by Wednesday. Uh, It says the farmer is Hispanic. But his family has resided in the U.S. for several generations. He said he was motivated to post the video after the negative feedback he got on another video in which he showed migrants on his property, albeit ones who were not so abrasive. Now, let's let's just think about that. And then, uh, you know, uh, DeSantis sending the uh, and they're not migrants. They're illegal aliens. As Christy reminds me, language is so important. They're not migrants. They're not legal migrants coming in. And also, we realize that there's bad guys. They are illegal aliens. They're here illegally. They've not gone through our legal process. So when Ron DeSantis sent them up to Martha's Vineyard, the reaction was astonishing. First of all, it could have been a great, it it, it could have been a great uh, moment for Democrats for them to walk their talk about how much they care about these illegal aliens. But as what we saw with Martha's Vineyard, it took, uh, it didn't take long for them to uh, get them off of of Martha's Vineyard, Steve. And and you and I talked about this meme that you saw, and we do not want to be respectful to those that lost their lives in Benghazi. But this meme, there's a lot of truth in it, Steve, if you'd like to share that. Well, it just simply said the Democrat response time to Martha's Vineyard was faster than the response time to Benghazi. And again, no disrespect to the military people who lost their lives there but it is true and remember we all saw that i I just have it embedded in my mind obama and hillary clinton watching benghazi go down in uh, the white house um well maybe it's not in the white house but anyway the that situation room whatever it was and they were watching it not doing a a thing about it not doing a thing about it (laughs) i'll tell you another one i saw just this morning uh you'll and this will make you chuckle it's a picture of uh, barack and michelle obviously out in a paddle boat or something and he's as they're paddling he's saying faster michelle those migrants are in our house (laughs) uh yes um Americans, that's a great thing about Americans is their sense of humor. So let's go to break. It is a Turnquist Friday. Uh, Rick Turnquist will be joining us. As you know, he's moved to Oklahoma, which is, uh, I always love to hear about what's happening in Oklahoma. But he's doing a book review on Mike and Schellenberger's book, San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. And we're seeing it happen right here in Denver as well. Our beautiful, used to be called the the queen of the, the plains, 
Denver is, um, it's just, it breaks my heart what has happened to this city that I love. So let's go to break. We'll be right back with Rick Turnquest regarding Michael Schellenberger's book, San Francisco. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. Are you concerned about the curriculum taught in government-run schools? Are you concerned about CRT and sexual indoctrination worldview agendas taught to your children in government-run schools? Are you concerned that your children are not receiving a quality education in the government-run public schools? Have you considered homeschooling but don't know where to start? Christian Home Educators of Colorado, or CHECK, has answers. You can homeschool. Go to check.org slash start. Kim Munson highly recommends Christian Home Educators of Colorado. Reclaim your child's education by going to chec.org slash start today. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. It is a Rick Turnquist Friday. Uh, he his most recent essay, which uh, will be in the newsletter this weekend, it's, it's uh, I think it's already rolled out on Facebook. I think it's on the website as well. Is um, San Francisco why progressives ruin cities? It's Michael Schellenberger's latest book, and Rick has done a book review on that. Rick Turnquest, welcome to the show. Kim, it's so nice to be here. Uh, I was hoping that you would ask me how I am today. How are you, Rick Turnquest? Well, Kim, it's going to be another rough day hunkering down for uh, another day here in Joe Biden's America. I, uh, every day I, I, I look at the news and I, I have a hard time staying upbeat and optimistic because uh, there's just bad news uh, hammering at us from left and right. And the other day I looked at the Wall Street Journal and the top five stories were all negative headlines about things happening in America and the world. So uh, we're, in, we're in a real crisis uh, these days. And, and uh, you know, I lived through the 70s. I hoped I'd never see them again, but it's starting to feel a lot like the 70s. Well, it, it is. Uh, these policies, uh, we have out-of-control inflation, um, 
I mean, how that's going to play out is of great concern. It doesn't have to be this way. This is all government-induced. People need to understand that this is because of policy that this is occurring, and that's why I think this book is so so important. So where do you want to start on this, Rick? Well, uh, before we jump into the book, which is a very important book, and I, I highly recommend it to everybody, I just want to point out that uh, as I was looking at the Wall Street Journal yesterday morning, I happened to notice an op-ed that was written by somebody who you and I both know, um, Helen Raleigh who is uh, an American citizen. She immigrated from China legally, and, uh, and she now is a writer. Um, I know she's written several times, but uh, it's always a, a little bit of a jolt when you open the Wall Street Journal and you see something written by somebody you know. <laughs> and uh, she talks about how this green movement to transform our energy economy uh, while ignoring the laws of nature and economics is similar to uh, China's Great Leap Forward. And for those who don't know, in the 1950s, uh, Chairman Mao, uh, who's the, probably the greatest mass murderer in history, uh, tried to make changes to the country uh, regarding how the level of industrialization is, um, completely ignoring the laws of science and economics and human nature. And as a result, uh, they're going to try to boost their, their steel production. And uh, as a result, uh, 30, estimated 30 to 50, 40 million people died uh, from famine uh, from 1959 through 1961, and and this uh, this this forced transition to uh, to uh, so-called renewable energy is is a very similar uh, concept, and it, and it sets the stage for uh, a large amount of human suffering in this in this uh, world. And we're already seeing the results of it today in Europe and Australia and uh, California, which is uh, fast becoming uh, like a third world country as, as far as its uh, electricity reliability is concerned. So I, I just want to point out that if you have an access, if you have access to Wall Street Journal, uh, look up the the op-ed. It's called The West Mimics Now Takes a Green Leap Forward. Well, and Helen, you can find her at Substack as well. I think it's Helen Raleigh Speaks. And uh, just a quick note, I was up at U.S. Constitution Week last week. We went up on Friday afternoon. I would have loved to have been there the whole week because they had great speakers. But Helen presented on Friday night and received a standing ovation. She just uh, really did, um, you know, a great job. And, um, yeah, so she is she's a dear friend of both of ours, and she is, uh, a fervent uh, American. She is proud to be an American, and um, she's doing a super job. So, Okay, so and where are we going to go from here? Oh, go ahead. Well, I just want to point out that you and I both know several people who are Americans by choice, and they're uh, so patriotic and so appreciative of what we have in this country. I almost said had. Um, uh, because uh, they came from places like Cuba and China and and, uh, and other and other places like that, so uh, it's it's a real thing, and we we take a lot of things for granted in our in our world today. And I think that uh, it's time for people to open their eyes and, and start paying attention to what's going on in the world around us. And that's why we do this show. That's why you have your blog to advancefreedom.com. dot com, and. Um, Yes, and and the great thing about it, and I know that it seems daunting, Rick, um, but remember, a little bit of light, uh, a little bit of light goes a long way. A little bit of truth goes a long way. People are waking up. I am concerned that there is so much damage. I mean, it's almost like they're um, 
on morph speed now because they realize people are waking up, going to vote these people out of office. And, um, and so it, it, the veil is off. And so we are in this big battle. And in our number two, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel United States Air Force, um, Bill Rutledge, we're going to be talking about John Paul Jones. And of course, the quote that I'll use at the end of the show is, it was daunting, but he said, when asked for his surrender, he said, I have not yet begun to fight. And that is, I think we need to take heart from that as well, uh, Rick. Exactly. And, and I, I love it that you're, that you're highlighting John Paul Jones, because since I was a young child, uh, he's always been one of my heroes. So, um, so you know, kudos to you for, for highlighting that story and for having him on in, uh, in, in the second hour of the show today. Okay, well let's uh, let's jump in here to your book review because this is so, is so important. San Francisco: Why Progressives Ruin Cities. I mean, we're seeing it here in Denver as well, uh, Rick. Um, city that I love, New York. I used to go back to New York on a regular basis uh, when I was in the uh, women's clothing industry. Uh, I I loved New York. Now New York was kind of dirty, uh, but yet it was it was not dangerous like it is now chicago i used to love chicago these beautiful cities they are ruining them rick yeah it's it's true kim so this book just uh kind of left off the shelf at me and uh, the the title is actually very catchy and uh and i i went ahead and purchased it on on amazon through uh kindle or actually i i got the hard copy first and uh it was really you know i read the book bio I started reading the book and then I read the bio of the author and I was like, wow, I would never have bought this book if I'd known ahead of ahead of time that this guy was a big climate change type person. But um, he's, he's actually an interesting guy, Michael Schoenbarger. He, he, uh, he is a definitely a progressive, but he also is uh, one of the few, if maybe the only progressive that seems to uh, look at truth and and things objectively and has written uh not only this book but another book uh, kind of debunking the whole renewable energy thing so uh maybe there's hope if if people on the left are actually starting to see the ruinous uh results of the policies they're championing but this book is is a great book because it it really highlights in in some detail the causes and the roots of the homeless problem and to sum it up in 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 one word uh, or you know a few words, the the root of the problem is electing Democrats because they they are clearly uh, disconnected from reality when it comes to their policy decisions in in many areas, but especially when it comes to uh, homelessness. Well, do you remember John Hickenlooper when he was <clears throat> mayor of Denver said that we all eradicate homelessness in uh, Denver in just a few years? Well, government gets involved and you start to subsidize these um, uh, these issues and they just they balloon. And I, we are not going to solve the homelessness problem because I think it's now a homelessness industrial complex. There are people that are getting rich off of these. It's tragic to see people um, that are mentally ill <clears throat> or addicted that are living on the streets. And so they're not going to solve this problem as long as they're living off this gravy train of money. And that's what these Democrats have done, and, and, and from what I can see. It's just going to get worse, too. Um, I'm sure you know that in Denver recently the city council voted to uh, give gender... <laughs> 
amorphous. I'm not sure is the exact term now. It changes all the time. But um, they're going to give twelve thousand dollars. I don't know if that's per month or per year or whatever. But uh, twelve thousand dollars to gender amorphous or fluid people that are homeless and living on the streets. So let's let's think about this from a from a real objective look at human nature. If you're going to pay people twelve thousand dollars to be something, what are you going to get more of? More of that need to be that thing in order to get that money. It's when I read that I was I, I was just dumbfounded because it's so stupid and so far from from reality that they think that that's actually going to solve the problem of homelessness. Of course, it's not going to solve it. It's going to make it worse. And it just frustrates me that they don't understand that or or maybe they do understand it and they don't care or they're cynically trying to. Uh, to do in, in order to uh, to maintain their hold on power, because really that's what what it's all about for them is the mm-hmm. power. Yeah, it's so, remarkable. Uh, and I want to point out, you know, I, I lived in Denver for for many many years, decades uh, over t- over time, and I've I've seen the problem of homelessness getting worse and worse in Denver and Aurora and 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 other locations in the Front Range there, and I've also visited other cities. Uh, Austin comes to mind. Uh, I was there a couple years ago, and the homeless problem in Austin is if, if anything worse, I think, than than in Denver. Uh, I haven't been to Salt, San Francisco, but I've seen you know many videos of of the problem there and, and stories of the problem there and read about the problem there. And I live in Oklahoma City, and there are homeless here, but there's very, very few homeless people here compared to other cities mm-hmm. that I've that I've observed. And I, I can only attribute that to the fact that uh, Oklahoma City is run by Republicans in a Republican-run state. I can tell you uh, something that happened to me. I was out in San Francisco a few years ago, and it was uh, going to go down a stairwell. And the person that I was with, I was going to grab the the banister. And he said, oh, don't touch that uh, because people pee on the banister and you don't want to touch that. I mean, honestly, how could that happen in America? I, I, it's just unbel- unbelievable to me. And that's and that's what really brings home the whole problem. And that kind of is where we start with the book reviews. Uh, in San Francisco, they used to have a problem with uh, dog owners not picking up after their dogs do their business. And so they passed a scoop the poop back. Uh, which actually did succeed through social pressure uh, to uh, to reduce the problem of animal uh, waste on on the sidewalks. But unfortunately, now there's a much worse problem of human waste on the sidewalks, and and that's because of uh, of the massive increase in homelessness in the city of San Francisco. And and that's where really this book is interesting because he. Uh, in the first six chapters of the book, he really focuses on the causes of homelessness, which I, I've reduced simply to uh, five broad areas, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, mental illness, uh, life choices, uh, government incentives like the cash payments that uh, government gives to the homeless people, and he does talk about that in the book. And uh, the last and least is uh, the lack of affordable housing. And I just want to point out that the lack of affordable housing is because of government restrictions on zoning and growth. Um, affordable housing, whatever that means, is a, is a strictly government-engineered problem. Absolutely. <clears throat> and there's going to be a ballot question on the Colorado ballot regarding affordable housing, which it is a terrible, terrible um, bill. But what they've done on this one, Rick, is that they said that there will be an – uh, let's see um, – 
Now, I might be getting the mixed up here. There's one on uh, school lunches, and then there's one on affordable housing. And uh, anyway, let me get back with you on that. Let's don't waste any time on that because I'll be talking about that. Let's go to break. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation here with Rick Turnquist regarding Mike and Schellenberger's book, San Francisco. Before we do that, though, uh, and there's going to be a great event. We're going to be starting to highlight that for the USMC Memorial Foundation. Uh, but they're raising money for the, for the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax uh, to remodel it. And uh, you can help them by going to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We'll be right back with Rick Turnquest. Hey, everybody. Roots Medical here with an exciting update about the practice. In addition to specialties in hormones, thyroid, and gut health, Roots Medical is thrilled to now offer pediatrics. Scheduling is easy, and the appointments are comprehensive, genuine, and focused on your child. Take control of your child's health care by scheduling at Roots Medical. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Don't buy a gun for just in case. In these uncertain times, you want to protect yourself, and Franktown Firearms will train and equip you to do so. When you buy a gun, plan on possibly having to use it in case of an emergency where you need to defend yourself. When you have a gun but aren't trained on how to properly use it, it's just irresponsible. The most important part of protecting yourself and your loved ones is being a responsible gun owner, including training on safety and usage. You can keep yourself safe with the proper tools and training from Franktown Firearms. Your firearm is the safeguard to your security when used properly. When you're unsure about the future of your security, remember that Franktown Firearms is your resource no matter your experience level. Go to klzradio.com slash franktown to contact the team directly or visit their website at ffgc.co slash training for course information. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. It's Friday, Friday. Indeed, it is Friday. In fact, it is a Rick Turnquest Friday. Uh, welcome back to the show. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. So Rick Turnquist, uh, where do you want to go now regarding this book? Well, I want to uh, just kind of continue to discuss uh, some of the, the five broad uh, causes of homelessness, uh, one of them being drugs and alcohol. Uh, and, and noting that uh, in, in the book, Michael Schellenbarger notes 
Berger notes that uh, progressives have long defended the right of the homeless to camp in public places. And this is something we see we saw in, in uh, Denver with the uh, debates over camping bans in, in Denver and Aurora with the prog- progressive city council members absolutely insisting that uh, that people have the right to camp anywhere they want, not just in public places, but on private property as well. And uh, and so when you allow that, when the people are in charge, allow that or think that that's something that people should be able to do, then, of course, you're going to get more of that. And in, in San Francisco, I guess one one business even bought uh, and gave away fifteen thousand dollars worth of uh, camping tents. So that's uh, so that's you know something that's not so good. Right. Right. And and another thing that is the big factor is that they pay lots of money to people for being homeless. So we touched on this earlier. In San Francisco, uh, Schellenberger says, remains significantly more generous in its cash payments to homeless and other spending to serve them than other cities. For example, San Francisco's maximum general assistance cash welfare monthly benefit for the poor is five hundred and eighty eight dollars compared to 449, 221, and 183 for individuals in San Diego, Los Angeles, and New York City. San, Diego, San Francisco spends 6% of its budget on the homeless, compared to New York City, Chicago, Phoenix, and San Diego, which spend 35 1.1, 0.9, and 2.5% respectively. So when you incentivize something, you get more of it. And, and Studies show that the majority of San Francisco's homeless come from came from somewhere else. So basically, the city is paying people to be homeless, and when you pay people to do things, you're going to get more of it. And that's it's it's just that simple. Plus, it's you know pretty nice year round. You don't have to worry about sleeping in freezing weather. But uh, you know, it's it's a powerful argument uh, that. When you incentivize something, you get more of, and that's exactly what San Francisco is doing. They they disguise it as compassion, but what what they're really doing is they're enabling people to live in unhealthy ways and and to continue to uh, to serve their addictions to drugs and alcohol, or perhaps evading uh, getting the mental health treatment that they might need uh, in order to remain homeless and, and living on the streets. And and this actually is conducive to higher crime, to problems with crime as well. Uh, aggressive panhandling uh, is, a, is, a, is a problem with, uh, with large numbers of homeless people uh, and other crimes as well, not only against uh, other citizens, but against homeless people themselves uh, committed by other homeless people or, or people who want, to, who want to prey on the homeless. So I'm tr- while you're doing that, I'm trying to figure out just I'm trying to get to San Francisco's budget. And this is sometimes it's so difficult to, to very quickly. I mean, I put in the question, what is San Francisco's budget? And it's difficult to find that number. But six percent of their city budget, not all of that is money that's going into the home given to the homeless. There is thousands and thousands of dollars that are going to people that quote unquote help the homeless so i would submit to you that it is a money maker people have gotten rich off of this homeless um problem and it's not going to get better as long as uh, people don't really have to work also these bureaucrats they're not really having to work they're they sit in meetings and they do task forces and all kinds of stuff but they're not really creating anything uh they're taking taking money from others for this quote-unquote problem, Rick. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really interesting to dive into what makes up that six percent. And and let's not forget that this the San Francisco only has money because it's taken money from people by force. 
whether that's uh, a, a city income tax or uh, property taxes or sales taxes or uh, or money that's coming in from the state, which is taking from the larger population of California as a whole by force, or federal money, which is coming from taxpayers across America by force. All this money is coming from somebody by force and and going to support these these bureaucrats, these uh, these nonprofits, uh, these lefty nonprofits and all this other stuff. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to uh, to know what makes up that six percent. Yes, but it would be significant. So we'll 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 work work on that one. Um, so we've got just a few minutes left. What else uh, should people know about this particular well, book? There's there's a couple of things that I found interesting in the book. He 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 debunks the uh, war on drugs narrative that the reason that we have such a high prison population is because of the so-called war on drugs. But actually, uh, that's not true. Um, a large he says uh, in the he notes that over half of all prisoners in state prisons are there for violent offenses like murder, rape, and robbery. And, uh, and then he kind of dives into the drug, drug addiction problem. And uh, that's a, you know, drug, drug addiction and resulting overdose is the number one cause of accidental death in the United States. And a large cause of this problem, in my opinion, is the fact that progressive-run cities and states like Colorado have decriminalized many drug offenses, including possession of fentanyl, uh, which which leads to a lot of drug overdoses. And this soft-on-crime approach is a result of their victimization ideology, which uh, which they seem to hold. And there's actually a discussion later on. Uh, he talks about uh, the writing of a, of a French philosopher named Michael Foucault, I'm sure I mispronounced that, uh, who actually believes that uh, – that free will is, is just an illusion. Uh, he says, individual responsibility is a myth used by powerful people to punish and discipline others for things they can't control. So he really, Schomburger really dives into some of the some of the uh, reasons why there's a homeless problem in San Francisco. And I believe it's it's well worth reading the book in order to understand why the why the problem occurs not just in San Francisco but in other cities like Denver, and and to uh, take action to resolve these problems. And the way to do that is to uh, not vote for Democrats because they're the ones who are creating and perpetuating these problems. Well, and this homeless this reaction by the progressives. Um and there's nothing progressive about them, is really an assault on property rights. And there's two ways. As you just mentioned, there is the kind of the assault on the, the public property rights. In a way, our, our public spaces are are not to be, they're to be respected. They're not to be used by somebody, uh, you know, for camping. But the other, th- and, so, and, and you mentioned that, that also that in some of these Democrat-run cities, that they are now supporting camping on private property, which that's a, an assault on private property rights, as well as then taking money by force from one person to use for this problem as well. So it's ultimately an assault on property rights. Would you agree? Oh, completely, completely. Uh, the left hates the idea of private private property, and they'll, they'll uh, do whatever they can. And it's in there. We see it with uh, with regard to oil and gas as well. You know, they're they're depriving property owners of their right to extract uh, the mineral wealth that's uh, that's lying underneath their property. So yeah, they they definitely uh, are, are friends to private property. 
Okay. Hey, Rick, we've got about a minute left. How would you like to button this up, Rick, uh, Rick Turnquist? Well, I'd like to suggest everybody read Mike and Schellenberger's book. Um, and I just want to point out, in a, in a month or a little over a month, we have a real opportunity to, to make a mid-course correction uh, to the direction our country is going. I think everybody can agree that uh, things are not going well. I just was starting, actually, for my next essay for your website, Tim, and I started looking up a few things. On the day that the last day that Donald Trump was president, oil price in Amer- American oil was $52.87 uh, per barrel. Now it's 86.15 as of uh, 9.19. That's a 33 dollar change or a 63 percent increase. Uh, a dollar in on the day last day Trump was president was worth a dollar. Today it's dollar nine. That's a 9.03 inflation rate. And if you had 150 thousand dollars in a 401k at uh, the de- last day of Trump being president, uh, look at what it's worth today in inflation adjusted terms. It's only 136 thousand. So you've lost $114,000 even without uh, changes in the stock market, which the Dow's gone down by 3% uh, in that time. The NASDAQ's gone down by 15%. So there's real world consequences to voting uh, for Democrats and giving them complete power over our, our state and our nation. And we really need to think about that in November. Absolutely. Rick Turnquist, thank you so much. And again, he's at toadvancefreedom.com. And um, be sure and check out my website, kimmunson.com as well. The quote for the end of the show, uh, and we're going to be going into hour number two, is uh, John Paul Jones. He said, I have not yet begun to fight. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman stand for truth, justice and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, as you all know, we are on live 6 to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday. The first hour is rebroadcast on all KLZ platforms. That's KLZ 560 AM, 100.7 FM, the KLZ website, as well as the KLZ app. And so the first hour is rebroadcast 1 to 2 in the afternoon. The second hour, 10 to 11 at night. Uh, and we always have so much information. A great first hour with Rick Turnquist regarding his book review of San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. Uh, and it breaks my heart. These beautiful American cities that are uh, under Democrat control are they're becoming uh, cesspools. Uh, it's just, and, and Denver's included in that. And it breaks my heart. But my friends... 
we do things that somewhat unique. You know, we have Ben Martin on. He'll be on next week. Um, we'll be talking about some of the heroes of our rev- Revolutionary War. We've gone through the Federalist Papers. Uh, just gold um, regarding learning our history. And so uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge, and he's on regularly, he is so well-informed. I think he's 94 years old, and he's retired United States Air Force. He said, I would like to do, and this we planned this a long time ago, on September 23rd, uh, have him on as a guest to talk about John Paul Jones, because this is uh, the anniversary of a very famous battle. And I think, my friends, when we're talking with Rick, we look at the headlines, and it seems daunting. And America has been in daunting situations before. And so we look to these heroes of our American heritage and what they did. And it gives us heart to continue on each and every day. And that's why we do this show, to search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And in America, in many of these cities, we're supposed to be treated equally, but we're not. We're seeing that there are different policies that treat people differently. We we see that um, we're taking money from one person to give to another. And, uh, you know, we've talked with Rick Turnquist in hour number one about what is happening to our beautiful American cities because of this uh, radical activist Democrats uh, 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 agenda that has taken over the Democrat Party. And uh, so what we're seeing, our great American cities are really, uh, they're declining. And it really does not have to be this way. Um, But it is important that we understand what's going on. That's important why we have these conversations. So uh, we're going to go to break early. We will be right back then. uh, And we'll talk with uh, Colonel Bill Rutledge uh, just in, in a few moments regarding John Paul Jones. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. It's Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And be sure and sign up for our weekly newsletter because a week from this Sunday, we will roll out our voter's guide, which we hope will be very, very helpful. 
helpful. And uh, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking with Steve Cruz, Three Points Financial, a uh, great sponsor of the show. And it is a very special day for Steve Cruz. Thank you. <laughs> okay, how are you doing? It's your birthday. Uh, it is, yes. Yeah, Happy birthday, Steve Cruz. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Thank let's you. talk. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have something uh, special planned for the day? Uh, you know what? Just just hanging out with uh, my family. I have four young kids, and uh, so it's always fun anytime we uh, you know have a chance to spend time together. Uh. Well, that's awesome. Well, I wish you a very happy birthday, and I so appreciate you and Mary. You are a co-owner of Three Points Financial, and you're great sponsors of the show, so I wish you a really happy birthday. But let's talk about, uh, and you've done several different things on this, uh, taxes in retirement. Um, so what do you want people to know today, Steve Cruz? Yeah, today I'm going to give the last uh, strategy around re- uh, taxes in retirement, and that is uh, the previous strategies kind of talked about, you know, different opportunities with retirement accounts. And today I just wanted to give a couple suggestions for uh, many people have investments that are not in a retirement account, just a regular taxable brokerage account and where, you know, dividends, interest, capital gains, those are taxed each year. And and so the first one is I, I just, unless there is a good investment reason for doing so, encourage people to hold uh, their investment at least a year so that they don't pay ordinary income tax rates on the gain, but rather the long-term capital gain rates, which are lower than regular tax rate tax rates. Uh, so that's one. And then the second one is uh, a lot of people don't realize that um, when they're looking at investing in different funds, there might be two funds that their strategy is similar or they're investing in this similar types of companies. But one fund might turn over, you know, buy and sell a lot more frequently than another fund, and that generates additional taxes. And so when you're looking at a fund, there's something called the tax cost ratio that you can look at, uh, and and typically that's included in the information on the fund, or just the portfolio turnover. And that just tells you, again, how often the fund is buying or selling. And it can make a big difference to two funds that look like they do pretty much the same thing, but one might be much more tax efficient than the other one. So those are just a couple things. Um, and then again, if anybody has questions on, on, on taxes and retirement, we help our clients as part of our holistic uh, planning process uh, reduce taxes. And I think uh, I haven't run across anybody so far that doesn't want to reduce their taxes. So. Yes, across the spectrum, no matter what the party affiliation, most people like to um, just pay the maximum amount that they legally have to, and then otherwise they like to keep the rest of that money in their own pocket. Uh, and so that's what you specialize at Three Points Financial. Uh, or one, one of the, the points in Three Points Financial is this whole tax planning, which is so important because if you don't have to pay it out in taxes and you get to keep it, that means you don't have to go out and earn it again. So that's a great strategy on that, Steve Cruz. How can people get more information uh, and, and um, set up an appointment with you? Uh, best way would be threepointsfinancial.com, and three is spelled out, threepointsfinancial.com. There's a contact us section okay. there, and people can schedule a time to talk with us. Okay, again, that's threepointsfinancial.com, threepointsfinancial.com. Steve Cruz, thank you so much, and happy, happy birthday. Thanks a lot, Kim. Have a good weekend. Okay.
Okay, and I'm excited here in just a few minutes. We're going to have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge on to talk about John Paul Jones. Uh, and um, uh, just a, it's a remarkable story. And I, I've known of John Paul Jones. I've known the quote, I have not yet begun to fight. But uh, Colonel Rutledge is just an expert on so many different things. He just has this... this um, this hunger for knowledge and to know and to know people's stories. And so we'll get to him here in just a few minutes, but I did want to uh, hit this other headline, you guys. And this is, this is just, it just absolutely breaks my heart regarding this whole transgender uh, movement. And I saw this on some of the, um, the evening talk shows, but this is from zero hedge and Vanderbilt university, very well respected Vanderbilt university, uh, has a, had a whole transgender clinic uh, component on their website. And now that journalist uh, Matt Walsh with um, The Daily Wire has shed light on that, instead of standing behind what they had there, they've actually deleted this off of the Vanderbilt Medical Center's website. And it says videos obtained by Walsh show that there were apparent threats made against the, uh, Vanderbilt medical professionals who objected to the procedures of, of these transgender um, operations or also uh, drug uh, protocols that in essence what they've been doing is actually physically cutting the breasts off of young girls and they've been uh, actually castrating young males. Now, if you looked at some of the... Uh, uh, tyrants of the past to think that they would take children and they would castrate them or or cut off a young girl's breasts. It's unthinkable. But yet this is happening in America under the guise of this whole transgender thing. And uh, so Vanderbilt University said, and this is the other thing is, is that uh, there was a doctor that was in one of the videos that said that this is a big money maker for some of these big hospitals. And that's why I am very concerned about these, uh, uh, I now call it the hospital industrial complex, these huge hospitals that are, and I, I love profit, when uh, the profit is not coerced by government or by political ideal ideology, uh, and where people are, you know, in in the medical field, they they I uh, have f- free choice. They they uh, have a relationship with their doctor. All that under this this um, government run medicine is is out the window. And so now we get to points where they're looking at, at making profits on really the misery of people on that. So. Um, so anyway, we're going to get to um, uh, Colonel jo- uh, Bill Rutledge here in just a moment. Do we have him yet, Steve, or are we still working on that? Sorry, still trying. Okay. Uh, so, well, let's go on to uh, some of these um, other uh, headlines that we have here. And uh, the next one that I'd like to go to, and I'm gonna, we talked about this in the, um, the first segment as well, and that is regarding what's happening down at the border. Uh, Sarah Carter uh, had reported uh, that on the terror watch list that they have caught uh, 12 individuals in August that are on our terror watch list trying to get across the border. And uh, this is of great concern. And I mentioned this. The Biden administration has sent millions of dollars to uh, Ukraine to secure their border while our border on our southern border is uh, they're letting just people come across, people that want to hurt us. And this is what Sarah had to say. She said, 12 individuals on the FBI's terrorist watch list were intercept, uh, intercepted in August alone. 
The number not only breaks a record for this fiscal year, but is three times the figure of the past five fiscal years combined. It says this new data shows that Border Patrol agents encountered these 12 individuals, uh, and their names were on this list. And it says the total encounters of individuals on the terror watch list for this fiscal year have increased to a significant high, tripling the figure of the past five fiscal years combined. Frighteningly, the number reported by the Customs and Border Patrol data might only be a small percentage of the individuals that attempted to cross the border and were caught by Border Patrol agents. It says the CPB reported that this fiscal year there were more than 500,000 gotaways, which were undocumented, illegal, and again, she used the word migrants, as Chrissy said, it's illegal aliens. So undocumented, illegal aliens who crossed the border without being caught, meaning many more individuals on the list could have crossed the border. And then according to the Department of Homeland Security data released this week, border agents have encountered a total of 2 million 150,639 undocumented illegal aliens this year, surpassing the 2 million mark for the first time in U.S. history. That is um, not quite half of the population of the state of Colorado, if you can believe it. And that this is an invasion of our country on the southern border. And... uh, uh, the Biden administration is doing nothing about that. And yet when, when Ron DeSantis sends 50 migrants to Mar- Martha's Vineyard within 24 hours, you know, they're, the radical activists, progressive Democrats, uh, the, basically they're, you know, everything blew up and they, uh, they couldn't believe it, what was going into their, uh, their community. But these two million just this year are, are being disseminated throughout America. And what is so interesting is the Biden administration was putting these two million people on buses and airplanes and flying them primarily to red states and to red cities. And one has to ask why it is to undermine these states and these cities. Uh, And also, I think they're trying to buy Democrat votes. And that goes to all these mail-in ballots. In Colorado, you can go now and get a, a uh, Ill- illegal aliens can actually get a uh, an ID here in Colorado, and it, with a driver's license, if you get a new driver's license, you're automatically sent a ballot. We need to find out if they're actually getting a ballot as well, Producer Steve. You know, I think it was Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, uh, a rumor caught when it started going around, and it caught like wildfire because of what happened in um, Martha's Vineyard. But the rumor was that the next load was going to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. You know, that's where uh, the Biden residence is. But uh, apparently that did not happen. That was just a rumor. Well, maybe it will happen because this is this has been a brilliant political move, I think, on DeSantis's part, because um, I think most people from a common sense standpoint are realizing they're, they're seeing the hypocrisy now where the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party have tried to use this um Compassion, compassion for those that, you know, we're all we're all immigrants. We came here to America and and on the Statue of Liberty. We talked about it earlier this week. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your, you you know, uh, that that's on the, the Statue of Liberty. But the next thing it says is and those that are yearning for freedom. So we want people that are yearning for freedom. We don't want people coming here that want to hurt us or want free stuff because the free stuff has to be taken from somebody else. It has to be taken from the American citizen to give free stuff to the people coming across the border. It was never like that when after World War II, 
uh, people would have to have sponsors to come to America. And many times the sponsors would say, hey, you've got two months of rent. You know, we'll help uh, help you with food and clothing for two months, and then you're on your own. And then that is what created this great American dream. So they didn't come here for government-free stuff. They came here for freedom, Steve. Well, the operative word on this particular topic is audacity. It's like we are not to believe what we're seeing with our own eyes. We're seeing all this. The numbers are astronomical, and yet Kamala Harris... When she's pressed about it, she says, oh, the border is secure. Now, which is it? Well, it, all you have to do is take a look at the picture of, uh, of this, and you can realize that actually uh, the border is not secure. So it's a blatant lie. And do not, do not vote for people. And not all people that are running for office are politicians who lie. Right now, we have a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle that do not tell us the truth. But when I look at the quality of the candidates that are running, there's so many great people that are stepping forward to run for state house here in Colorado. In fact, out of the Boulder Tapas and Topics group, Steve, there are three women that are running for state house, and they are fabulous candidates. One is Tara Menza, and uh, she is up in the Longmont area. And then Katie Lair, and it's uh, part of Boulder County and, and um, I think part of Larimer County, but a great uh, candidate as well as on, and Anya Curvan. So these are women that instead of sitting on the sideline, they're stepping forward to run for office. And, of course, we had Marla Fernandez on uh, just recently. I have other candidates that are reaching out to want to get on the show in October, which we will do that. Uh, so I, the quality of people that are stepping forward because they care about this country is so important. So I'd like to go to break early. Okay, let's go to break early, and uh, then when we come back, we'll be talking with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge. Uh, he is retired United States, Air, United States Air Force. We'll talk about John Paul Jones. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Are you concerned about the curriculum taught in government-run schools? Are you concerned about CRT and sexual indoctrination worldview agendas taught to your children in government-run schools? Are you concerned that your children are not receiving a quality education in the government-run public schools? Have you considered homeschooling but don't know where to start? Christian Home Educators of Colorado, or CHECK, has answers. You can homeschool. Go to check.org slash start. Kim Munson highly recommends Christian Home Educators of Colorado. Reclaim your child's education by going to chec.org slash start today. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. 
Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly news- newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. On the line with me is my friend, uh, a new friend, relatively new friend, and that is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge, retired United States Air Force. Uh, he is just... Um, a wealth of knowledge on so many different issues. He has, has, throughout his life, he has this this hunger to talk with people and know their stories. Uh, Colonel Rutledge, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Kim. It's great to have you. And you recently had a birthday, right? You are now 94 years young, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, we have talked about doing this show for quite some time, and that is regarding John Paul Jones. So in 1779, September 23rd, was this very famous naval battle, which is the Battle of Flamborough Head. And so a lot of people don't know about this. So where should we start, Colonel Rutledge? Well, um, I think there's so much about John Paul Jones that's very interesting, but our time is limited, so we need to go right to the battle. In 1779, um, John Paul Jones was on the coast of France, and he was waiting for a ship that would be adequate for him to um, go and approach the British uh, coast and to, in in many cases, to go in and um, invade some of the ports and cause damage like the Royal Navy was doing in America. And so he took uh, a number of small ships with him, and he was on the Bonhomme Richard, which was, of course, provided by the French um, because of Benjamin Franklin being there. And Benjamin Franklin was a very good friend of the king of France. Um, So he set out with the Bonhomme Richard, and they went around England went up north, came down. They're, they actually came on the east coast where the North Sea is, and uh, they shot a few shots into one of the ports in Scot- Scotland and then into um, below that down into England. So they were approaching Scarborough, um, and Scarborough is just north of the Flamborough Head. In the, it's called Flamborough Head because it projects way out into the North Sea because of erosion over centuries. Uh, it's a danger to shipping. So this is why it's such a distinct location and why the British were coming down. At that time, what was happening was the British had two of their new ships were ships of the line, better ships than John Paul Jones had. 
and uh, they were coming down as the military escort for a, a convoy of ships that were commercial ships that were coming out of the Scandinavian countries. And this was a pattern that they did each year at that time in late September. So they actually had a convoy of between 60 and 70 commercial ships, but they had two British battleships, or ships of the line, that were escorting them. One was the Scarborough, and one was, of course, the Serapis. John Paul Jones, meanwhile, was coming north, because he had been south at that point. And so they were going to converge right near Flamborough Head. And John Paul Jones briefed his his Marines and his crew, said, we are not as strong a ship as they are, so the only chance we have is we must be the aggressor. We can't stand off and exchange broadsides. We must uh, attack, and then we must board. And he briefed his Marines on a on a strategy that later was used, uh, rather a tactic, that was used um, in naval combat for many, many years. And it was to get his Marines up into the topsails, way up in the top of the sails, where they could shoot down onto the British so that they could board. Um, And he told them, he said, your first target is to eliminate any British Marines that are up in the topsails on the Serapis. And then after that, you are to clear the deck uh, on the Serapis, and that will give us an opportunity to board. So what happened was that they came close, and um, the captain of the Serapis wasn't sure about the Bonhomme Richard because the technique was that John Paul Jones was flying the British colors, um, and that was very common in those days. And so he was still had the British flag, and they, as they approached, the British captain asking, who is that? And John Paul J. Jones gave him <clears throat> a, a fictitious name, and immediately the captain, rec- and, and then he ran up the stars and stripes on his ship. Um, so almost immediately there was an exchange of fire between the two ships. And shortly thereafter, John Paul Jones tried to um, have his ship pulled up close to him, used grappling hooks, threw them across, pulled the ships close together. And the reason to do this is that if you pull the other ship up, they could not effectively use their cannon um, because they, they couldn't get some of the portholes open where they had cannons stored behind there. So they pulled them together, and then the crew up top, the Marines, did their job. They cleared the, the British Marines off the top, and then they cleared the deck below, and then they, they boarded. Now, of course, when they did the boarding, the British also came out from under the decks, and they, they came on the Bonham Richard also. But the predominant uh, incursion and one or the other was that most of the, uh, the boarding was done by the Americans. And they were How many? There. 
Colonel Rutledge, how many men were on each of the ships? Uh, the estimate was around 250. Um, and uh, actually, the, the British ship had a, more, a little bit more people than they did uh, on the Bonhomme Richard. Um, and the casualties were, were catastrophic on both sides because there was a lot of fighting with um, uh, swords and pistols, rifle, I mean, muskets. And uh, it was just a brutal, brutal battle. But the Bonhomme Richard had already been damaged enough just from the first uh, engagement that it was starting to sink um, because it was an old boat, old ship that had been used commercially for, for many years. And the French had converted it and put cannon aboard, and really it was a second-class ship. But the key was the leadership, because John Paul Jones stayed on the quarter deck, and he directed fire the whole time. And incidentally, with all the shooting and killing and injuring, John Paul Jones was not wounded except a very minor injury to one of his legs. It did not affect his mobility. So they were fire, they were fighting back and forth in what turned out to be the longest single engagement in the, uh, between two ships in military history. The battle lasted over four hours. And uh, wow. it, it was on an evening when the full moon came out and so many of the people who lived in the area, were, they came down to the bluff and looked out on to the battle scene. And I have been there and it has not changed. And it's magnificent. So the battle was going on, and the British captain felt he was in the dominant position. So he yelled to John Paul Jones um, how to draw his colors, to bring, bring his flag down, which was a sign of surrender. And that's when John Paul Jones made the famous thing uh, statement, I have not yet begun to fight, which is probably the most famous quotation in any naval history, but certainly in American naval history. And a real flashback, which is important, John Paul Jones had been appointed to be the first officer in the Continental Navy by Congress in June 1777, June 14th, Flag Day. So when we celebrate Flag Day, it dates all the way back to then. And on that same day, he had been appointed as the first officer in the Navy. So now let's get back to the battle. Okay. Things are, things are not looking good for us. But we had one uh, Marine who was up in the topsails, and he had what was called a grenade. But it was actually a bomb. It was a big round thing, and it had a fuse in it. So he lit the bomb, and he dropped it onto the British ship into a hatch, and it went down to the gun deck level. And when it exploded with all the powder down there, it was devastating. And that was the decisive action that caused the British captain to surrender. And Paul Jones walked over onto the Serapis, and um, the captain offered him his sword. And John Paul Jones very gentlemanly 
said, uh, no, I, I won't accept that. Um, this has been a very honorable battle. And so this was sort of the long and the short of John Paul Jones. And there's so much of interest as to how he ever got to where he was, what happened to him afterwards. Um, he had a fascinating life, but he only lived to be 45. Well, and I was doing the the calculation on it, and he was probably 32 uh, f- when this battle occurred. And so uh, I don't know enough about him, and we need to learn more about that. But So you said the um, Bonham Richard was sinking, and then there was this explosion on the Serapis. So what happened to those uh, those ships? Well, what they did, they moved everything out of the Bonham Richard and the, the surviving crew and everything, um, and whatever they needed. And the Bonham Richard did not actually go under for two more days. Uh, it just was deserted, abandoned, and so all the American crew and the British were over on that ship. Some of the British people then were permitted to go back on to, to the shore. Um, they didn't have enough room for them. They didn't need them, and a lot of them needed medical care. Um, but it was a captured ship, and so uh, they put the American flag up, and uh, they took the ship, and then, and then it was almost like a prize crew. So the Americans then took the ship and sailed it back to the port of Brest on the coast of France. And as it came in, of course, it's got its flying American colors. So it was the the first major engagement in British waters where the Stars and Stripes was actually shown and used during an active battle. That's pretty gutsy. I'm thinking about Jimmy Doolittle and the Doolittle Raid in World War II, which, uh, again, very courageous where they flew those, um, they were light, were they light Bombers or heavy off of uh, aircraft carriers so that they could bomb Japan, which was uh, and they knew they couldn't get back to the the carriers, so they were then supposed to go try to make it to China, uh, and some of them did and some of them didn't. But just this act of courage, but what it did for morale. Uh, this uh, so tell me about that. What happened? I mean, this had to be amazing yeah. for the Americans yeah. when they heard this. The morale factor was very important. Um, the year before, born seventeen seventy eight. Uh, John Paul Jones um, circumnavigated England. He went all around England. <clears throat> and the reason was that our Congress was getting tired of the British just doing whatever they wanted with their American ports. So they built a ship called the Ranger, and they gave this to John Paul Jones. He had to go to France to get it properly armored, which he did. So in 1778, he went around I swung all around to the west of Ireland and looped up over to the north coast uh, of Scotland and England. And what he was doing is going to the port area where he had been raised, and he was going to go in and um, burn a lot of ships that were there. And so actually what he did, he, he went in at night, and there were there were minor fortifications on either side of the harbor. So he captured both of those and destroyed 30 British guns, which were cannon. 
they spiked the cannons. And it was the middle of the night, and they went in. But unfortunately, he had a deserter who was aboard his ship, and he got off and went in and told the British what was going to happen. Well, this certainly made it more difficult. And his crew, um, they weren't too enthused about burning up the ships. So what happened was they dissipated so many hours, and the tide started to change. So the, John Paul Jones recognized he just had to leave. So he took his ship and left. But what happened was the impact psychologically on the British was tremendous. The damage was not great at all, but the impact that an American ship could come in and come into a fortified port of theirs um, and come back out and then later go over to Ireland and capture a smaller British ship. And so the, the impact on uh, Parliament and the newspapers, uh, the people all over realized this is not a very good situation. Now, that, of course, happened a year before the big battle at Flamborough Head. So there had been a whole year of concern in England about uh, naval engagements in the war. And so they had had to bring some of their ships back to the British Isles for protection. So there were some advantages in addition to just psychological. There were some military advantages um, by John Paul Jones' presence. But John Paul Jones, uh, like Doolittle, he was a, a, an extremely brave, heroic man. And he was the epitome of a leader. And well, John Paul to... Jones was only... He was only five, uh, five foot four inches tall. He was oh a little my, man. Oh, my gosh. So, Colonel Rutledge, uh, can you stay on the line to the top of the hour? For, that's the first question, because I have more questions about this. And it's our normal call-in time. So if you have any questions uh, for uh, Colonel Rutledge or comments on this, give us a call, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. Uh, but a remarkable story. It's important that when I talk on America's Veteran Stories, that we stand on the shoulders of giants and we hear these stories, even though... John Paul Jones was five foot four inches uh, tall. He is a giant, and we indeed stand on the shoulders of giants. We need to remember that as we're going through these very challenging times in America. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with um, Colonel Bill Rutledge. But before we do that, though, I do want to shout out, uh, speaking of standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, we need to honor our military and our veterans and uh, Paula Sarles, she is a Vietnam-era Marine veteran, and her team are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax. They're in the money-raising phase right now. You can help them by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. We'll be right back with uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Rutledge. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. 
Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Hey, everybody. Roots Medical here with an exciting update about the practice. In addition to specialties in hormones, thyroid, and gut health, Roots Medical is thrilled to now offer pediatrics. Scheduling is easy, and the appointments are comprehensive, genuine, and focused on your child. Take control of your child's health care by scheduling at Roots Medical. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. Don't buy a gun for just in case. In these uncertain times, you want to protect yourself, and Franktown Firearms will train and equip you to do so. When you buy a gun, plan on possibly having to use it in case of an emergency where you need to defend yourself. When you have a gun but aren't trained on how to properly use it, it's just irresponsible. The most important part of protecting yourself and your loved ones is being a responsible gun owner, including training on safety and usage. You can keep yourself safe with the proper tools and training from Franktown Firearms. Your firearm is the safeguard to your security when used properly. When you're unsure about the future of your security, remember that Franktown Firearms is your resource no matter your experience level. Go to klzradio.com slash franktown to contact the team directly or visit their website at ffgc.co slash training for course information. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Um, Colonel Rutledge, I was just thinking about... 2022 America, um, people, we are a, a nation of laws. Uh, they're supposed to be constitutional laws. We have laws that are now being passed that do not, um, that are not constitutional. And uh, I'm concerned about that. And I think what I, I want to say is, is sometimes there unconventional things have to happen when you are in battle. So was this unconventional that he was flying the British uh, flag when he he got up next to the Serapis. Um and because I guess technically that's kind of like against the law, but when you're in battle, you have to do things like that. Yes. No, this this was a very common practice that um, many ships, and it wouldn't didn't have to be military naval ships, um, but it could be just a commercial ship. That very often they would fly the flag. Um, of the nation that they were approaching as they were sailing near. And often it was to protect them and their cargo from the naval um, part of the country that they were near or just for uh, customs inspectors who might come out. And if they had the regular flag up there, the British, they were less likely to be approached by a naval vessel or a customs ship. Um, so this was common practice in uh, many times, uh, wherever the ships were around the world, they might fly the flag that would be most protective of their ship and their crew. Okay. 
uh, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, so they use different flags so that they would uh, not be uh, harassed by regulators is one of the things that's coming to mind here. Now, again, the name of the British sh- ship was the Ser- the Serapis, right? S-E-R-A-P-I-S. Serapis with an S. S-E-R-A-P-I-S. The Serapis. And the Serapis was accompanied by the Scarborough. Um, and these two British ships were ships at the line. They were the, they were the best fighting ships there were. And uh, one of the things that's really interesting, in, there's a parallel between John Paul Jones and Lord Nelson in the Battle of Trafalgar uh, in the early 1800s in which he was killed. Nelson was killed by a Marine, a French Marine, up on the top of his sails, who was shooting down uh, at their ship. And unfortunately for Nelson, he was on the quarterdeck also. So he actually was killed by a Marine. Um, and what was interesting, they to preserve his body, they put him in a barrel of rum and put it down in the lower decks. And his ship was called the Victory. And it was sailed back to England, and it is still there. It's in Portsmouth. And I have visited there and been down to the gun decks. And the Marines are very short who work there because the gun decks are very low. So if you see a Marine and you want to take a tour of the Victory and you go to Portsmouth, England, he's going to be about 5'4 or 5'5 so he can walk without having to bend over. But it's an interesting parallel between these two great leaders of naval warfare. Well, and the gun decks, that would be where the cannons are that are coming out of the portholes. Is that, is that right? Correct. And, and yeah. if it's a big enough ship, they could have not only a, a, a complete deck, but they could also have some up on the main deck. So there were, the bigger ships had a greater capability. Um, and of course they had guns on both sides of the ships so that uh, depending upon which um, side they were approached by the other um, the other ship, um, so they had a lot of they had a lot of firepower. Uh, uh-huh. Plus, all these ships were made out of wood, uh, and the the biggest cause for injury and damage to the crew was flying wood, from the cannonballs hitting the wood and splinters flying all over the place. Okay. And the weapons then were, there was cannon, and then, uh, clearly I'm a civilian, I so it, was it muskets, uh, you know, the... Yeah, there were muskets, they were all, all loaded like that, uh, and most of them were not rifled, it was very early, uh, so they were most, mostly muskets, and they had pistols, but they they weren't anything, you, you shoot it once, and then you got to reload it down the barrel. So it's very slow. So you better be a pretty good shot with that one shot because then you're a target while you're trying to reload. Sure. Um, So it was dangerous. But when they got into close fighting aboard the ships, then we're talking about swords. Swords and knives, yeah. That had to be absolutely brutal. So Colonel Rutledge, go ahead. No, it, the battle was, was very bloody. It was uh, a lot of casualties on both sides. 
War is um, war is a, a, a very tragic thing. We've got about three minutes well, left. War is hell, and it is. It's terrible. It really is. Um, and you, you were making some reference to, to Doolittle and the, the aircraft. The, the planes that he flew were B-25s. They were, caught, they were a medium bomber. Medium, and, okay. Uh, they had to specially train in order to be able to get off the deck. So they trained for many weeks um, on dry land at a specific number of yards before they had to be airborne. So they didn't fall in the ocean. It was it was a dangerous mission. Yes, and uh, yes, he was very brave. I've had his granddaughter on. We normally do uh, do that interview around the anniversary of the Doolittle raids, but it wasn't luck, as you mentioned. They trained. She said that he you know he really studied everything. They really planned, and that's one of the keys to leadership. We've got two minutes left, Colonel Rutledge. Uh, John Paul Jones. Now his tomb is at the Naval Academy. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I have been to the Naval Academy, and it's under the Navy, uh, under the Cadet Chapel, and it's down there. And it has reminded me of when you go to Paris and you go go to the um, place where Napoleon is buried, and there's a similarity. There's these sarcophagus, which are very ornate, and they're there, and you don't go directly there. You sort of can walk around um, above those and see it. But it was brought back in, in 1905 at the direction of President Teddy Roosevelt, because Teddy Roosevelt was a, a great supporter of the Navy. And he realized the significance of John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones had died in Paris. He'd been buried there in a lead coffin and had been filled with alcohol, and it was in the Protestant Cemetery. So there was some knowledge, but it was a long haul to try to dig it out and to try to find out where he's, which was actually his coffin. But they got it. They brought it back. They had a naval escort and everything. Big ceremony to bring the body back and place it finally at the Naval Academy because he truly was the father of the, the United States Navy, the first commissioned officer and like uh, Washington, when they said Washington was first in the hearts of his countrymen, um, first in war and first in peace. And there was a parallel with John Paul Jones. He was first for the Navy. Oh, Colonel Rutledge, indeed, we do stand on the shoulders of giants. I so thank you for uh, this historical lesson for all of us. We take heart from that. And Colonel Rutledge, thank you so much. And we'll have you on again very, very soon. Thank you, Kim. Good morning. Okay. John, uh, John Paul Jones said this. He said, I have not yet begun to fight. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. Further from my home 
Tell them if I don't, sir. 